Amen. So we're in the book of Genesis, as usual, starting at verse 13, chapter 13, rather, uh, verse 1. And we're going to read down a little bit, a little bit and go through some things. Uh, and I'm just going to give you some summary and things. Abraham has left Egypt. We saw what he did last week. He, he was a little dishonest. He, he sold his wife <laughs> and got wealthier to, to, save, to save himself. And now he's been kicked out of Egypt, basically, uh, because Pharaoh was, was, was plagued because of it. And so we see that Abram now is coming out a little bit wealthier. So let's, let's read some of that. Uh, chapter 13, verse 1, and we'll just read down uh, a little bit. And, um, and we'll start at, stop at verse 7. Let's read. So Abram went up from Egypt to Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. I wonder where he got it. <laughs> from Negev, from that, from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar, and then Abram called on the name of the Lord. Let's just stop there for a second. And, and he did have some, some servants and some things when he went into Egypt, but he came out uh, wealthier than he did. But even in his imperfections, that, that, that's very comforting to me as, as a human. Uh, I don't I know, but many people think that sometimes people in the body of Christ aren't human and that they don't have human experiences and that they're supernatural and they don't do anything wrong. But we see that Abraham last week or Abram right now clearly did something wrong. But at the same time, we see him when he comes out. What's the first thing he does again? He begins to worship and call on the name of the Lord. I want to speak to somebody who's feeling like I don't need to worship God because God knows what I did. Guess what? God knew what you were going to do and he still died for you. Romans 5 and 8 said that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What you are, have done or what you're going to do was not a condition for God to love you. So don't let the enemy trick you into just because you've made a mistake, just because you've done something wrong or, or, or that, that you, you're not what everybody might think you are, that you don't need to work on building a closer relationship with Christ. The fact that you know you're flawed lets you know that I need to work even more to what? build a relationship with Christ. So I want to encourage somebody who may be listening to somebody in this room. If you're not perfect, uh, like Joe church person, well, that's okay. Worship God. Anyway, worship him where you are. He met the woman at the well. He met her where she was. He ministered to her where she was. And because of the ministry that Christ gave to her, she changed who she was because she learned to talk to Jesus where she was. I don't know why I'm stopping here, but somebody might need to hear that. That guilt and condemnation has got you all real guilt ridden. I'm not saying this is a, not a license to live a raggedy life and live a, a sinful life, but it's to let you know that if you're trying, but you're not doing everything right and you're messing up sometimes, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times. That means completely. That means he's continually falling. But what makes him righteous is that he gets what? Back up again. He gets back up. So somebody said, get back up. So he built that altar. I don't know who that's for, but somebody might get blessed off of that. If it, ble if it bless you, write in the chat or saying here, it bless me. Let's start at verse six. It said, now, 
I, I want to start at five right there. Uh, start at verse five. Uh, let's read. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. Now stop right there. God said, now I know Lot's father is gone, and I know he's under Abraham's tutelage and care, but God told Abraham to do some specific things, and Abram, from what we see, it seems that he might have disobeyed what God told him to do. And now it's starting to catch what? Up with him. Because he got his nephew, but the land that they're in won't support them, right? So let's see what happens when this, when, when this happens. So we're looking at verse 7. Let's read that. It says, And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and herdsmen of Lot, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. Now, it's important for us to know this. Why is it important for us to know this? Because everybody's jockeying for position because everybody has herds that need to eat. It's, a, it's an agricultural society. They use horticulture. So guess what? Everybody's vying for resources, and this is not their native land. So if the Perizzites are, the Perizzites are there and the Canaanites are there, they're in what? Hostile territory. So if you're in hostile territory, it will make sense even if you didn't have the everything eye to eye that you learned to have conflict re resolution and what? Get along. Because when you split, what do you see coming from that? Weakness, right? So the herdsmen let pettiness, they're about to let pettiness break them up. And I wrote this and that somebody probably needs to write this down, but it's on your papers for those of you who are in the building. It says, when you cannot find a solution, dissolution will soon take place. What do I mean by that? When you don't find a solution to conflict, dissolution or dissolving and breaking up will soon take place. We live in a very hostile world, don't we? We live in a world that's hostile to Christianity and Christian families are core to, to, to the church. But when Christian families can't find a reasonable resolution or solution to their conflict, what do they do? It's called a dissolution of marriage. It's called a divorce, and they become weaker than they were, what, before. If it's possible, it would have been better for them to try to work out their, what, differences. Dealing with difficult people. You might have some people on your job that are hard to get along with. And, and, and rather than try to learn how to get along with those people on your job, you decide instead of trying to find a solution to find a way to communicate with them better, what do you do? One day you get mad and you quit your job. Now you put yourself in a weaker position financially. Why? Because you didn't learn how to do conflict resolution and did not learn how to deal with difficulties in difficult people. You see that in the text? It's, it's, it's there. We see quarreling coming up among the brothers, right? So there's a quarreling because everybody wants it their what? way. If two people are tugging, somebody's got to stop tugging or no progress will take place. But most times we keep tugging because the tug of war isn't really about what's going on outside. It's about what's going on on the what? Inside. How many times have you ever said, nobody's ever going to take advantage of me again? 
Nobody's ever going to talk to me like that again. You're in a brand new relationship, but that relationship can't go forward. Why? Because the person you were in a relationship before took your kindness for weakness and they misused you. And now you're overbearing and you're meaner to the person in the new relationship. And they're paying because you tugging in the inside. How many have ever made some of those internal internal vows to yourself and said, that's never going to happen to me again. I won't be made a fool of. And then you end up treating somebody bad that had nothing to do with what happened to you in the what? First place. Or you had a bad experience in the job, so the next job you went in with a chip on your shoulder. I'm going to show them they ain't going to do this to me. This is a whole different group of people. You got a whole clean slate. <laughs> but because you couldn't deal with difficult people over there, and you allowed those external things to get on the inside of you, and you allowed the water to get out of the boat instead of the boat, there's no way to live on planet Earth without having conflict. You're going to have conflict with people, but how you deal with conflict determines how far you progress. And if you don't learn to properly deal with conflict, you'll keep going around in the same old circles and the same old patterns. And you keep saying relationships don't work. It's all men are dogs. The, every man I talk to, he, 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 he's a dog. Well, maybe the only common denominator in that factor is maybe it's that Something in you is picking the wrong type of. Every woman I find, they just don't do this. Or every job I go to, they just like that. Maybe it's your discernment. Stop looking externally and start looking what? Internally. Because who's the only person you can what? Control. Woo. I, did you hear that, Brother Dave? I heard it hit when it hit. It hit all of us, didn't it? <laughs> it did. That's a heavy thought. That we love to blame everybody else. Every time I turn on, and I'm not going to be political, but every time I turn on the, the, the Facebook or whatever it is, I see people complaining about the gag. And I want to ask them, you blame it on one person. Did you pick that person? So while you complaining... <laughs> You ought to be grateful that you have money for gas and what? Oh, and I'm going to leave that alone because politics is a, is a flat hotbed and I'm here for, for the gospel. I don't want to get into that. But here's the thing. We always like to blame everybody except ourselves. The gas is too high. Why is it that you live in check to check and you had the same opportunities? Maybe it's not that the gas is too high. It may be that your income is too low. Why didn't you look for a better job? Why didn't you try to better yourself? Now, some people, they, they have different extenuating circumstances. This is not a blanket thing right here. There are some people that work very hard for their money and they don't make a lot of money. But a lot of the situations, if you worked uh, at a different type of thing or tried to be ingenuitive or had no fear and walked out on the blessing God had given you, some of you are working for people and you're meant to be the boss. And you could change your income in your life overnight and you would even know what the gas prices are. But it's easier to blame everybody else. And I say, maybe I could be a better version of myself. Stop cursing the prices when you have a God that will what? Provide. Yes. Now y'all were excited. Let's get on excited again. <laughs> but these are these are the things because you can't control all the things that go on in the world 
but you can control what goes on on the inside of you. The reason most people have problems with conflict resolutions with other people is because they're conflicted on the inside themselves. The reason you can't get along with your husband is not because your husband's annoying. It's because you never at peace on the inside of yourself. And everything he does irritates you because it's not that irritating you. It's because you're just generally irritated and you're not self-aware. The reason your boss is getting on your nerves is because you're agitated and you're mad about where you are in life. And instead of doing something about it or trying to do, find a positive solution, you're always bitter about where you are. So therefore, everything that happens wrong at work is, is your boss's fault. If you can't say amen, I didn't expect everybody to say ouch. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Wow, but isn't isn't that a dose of truth? That we see conflict because now this place isn't big enough for the both of us. Because I brought along somebody on my journey. I'm not going to go there yet. That shouldn't have been there. So now, rather than use synergy and say, we got all these people, maybe we can get into farming. Maybe we can use additional resources. We can use all these people. And maybe we can go over in this spot and cultivate it and be a little bit better for us and work together. All they're worried about is their own interests. So they split up because they can't get along. Now, I do like... Uh, what Abram, Abram says, uh, or what Abram does rather, because Abram, it shows his character. I'm going to look at something, pull up Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. And we're going to look at those things. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 to 21. Let's read this. What does it say? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, this is where I really want to stop. If go back to verse 18, uh, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now stop, look at your neighbor, and then point to yourself and say, am I doing my job? If I want peace in my home, am I doing my job? Did I do everything I could to defuse the situation? <laughs> Did I do everything I could? Because it says, if at all possible, do everything to live at peace with everyone. If at all possible. Sometimes there are no peaceful solutions. Sometimes you have people that are, are just evil and there are no peaceful solutions to them. But you can't default to say that's what's going on with that person when you haven't talked to that person. You haven't, haven't had good conversations with that person. You need to say, I've exhausted everything on the inside of me to bring about a peaceful resolution before I just fly off the handle. That's it. Sometimes the bet, sometimes when you can't, you need to back up off of a situation. Some things, it's not time to address it right then. Sometimes you need to say, we're going to pause. We're going to take a break. We'll come back to this. We're not being profitable right here. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. Sometimes it's best to call time out, like you said, and say, you know what? I'm learning me. I can feel that little blood flowing to my face. If you don't respond how I want you to respond, I'm not mature enough 
to respond in a godly and Christian manner. So rather than try to push on and try to win this argument like I want to win this argument, I'm going to respect the fact that I know I'm not perfect either. And I'm going to say, let me address this when I'm in a better frame of what? Mine. When I've done something that I like to do, not when I'm just getting off work and I'm stressed, I'm getting kids to school or doing this. When I've gone to the spa, done everything I've done, now let me deal with this difficult situation. Let's keep going. We're going all the way down uh, to 21. Let's keep reading. <laughs> what does it say? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I just lost somebody right there. Keep, get back on the bus. Let's go. Verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. You're going to see where we're going in a second. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. And for that person that just got excited, that does not mean hot, real hot, bad coals. That means you're putting conviction on them because they're going to see you doing good stuff and they're doing bad stuff. So don't be nice just to try to try to get something bad to happen to somebody. All right. So verse 21, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, where, where have we seen this in scripture before? Cain, why is your countenance falling? If you don't do something, it's going to overtake you. But you can overtake it. How many times have we just said we were going to be good and something came out of our mouth because we wouldn't overcome evil with good? We became, we became overcome by what? Evil. Now we're going to go right over to Romans. We did Romans. Now I want you to watch this too, because this is, this is, this is segue. And this has got something to do with uh, our, our scriptures. Go to Matthew chapter 25, verses 25, 26. If somebody's being helped and he'll say it's helping me. Somebody, if it's helping you in the chat, right, it's helping me. Let's read what it says. Matthew chapter 25, verse 25. It says, that is not it. Matthew 25, Matthew 25, verse 25. Through 26, I believe that was it. Um, let me let me go and do a quick check. It may not be Matthew 25. Matthew 5, they wrote it down. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 25 through 26. I apologize for that, but I'll read it to you if they can't get it up that fast. Matthew chapter 5, verses 25 through 26. And this is what it says: it says, settle matters quickly with your adversary. Who is taking you to court do it while you are still together on your way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison truly i tell you you will not get out until you have paid the last penny jesus is saying this because when people were often thrown into the debtor's court in their day if they didn't have a family member that could get them out that was a life sentence and what Jesus was saying, I want us to read that together because it seems like when we read it, we get it. Let's read it together. It's on the screen. They got it. Let's read it one more time for those who, who haven't uh, had, the, had the blessing of being able to read today. Let's read. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Let's see if they got verse 26. They did, guys. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, there is an overarching theme here, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But Jesus is saying, take care of small things. 
before they become big things. Somebody told you that something irritated them, but because it wasn't a big deal to you and you viewed it a small thing, you, you, you refused to adjust your behavior. Well, could you not sit this here on the table? That bothers me. It's my house too. I sit it where I want to. Now that's going to build up a root of bitterness because that says I'm not important to you. And because you didn't settle that matter quickly, after a while, you start fighting about something silly and all of a sudden you find out it's not about that at all. It's about that cup that you set down and you refuse to move. Jesus is saying you want to take care of small things before they become big things. And here's an overarching spiritual revelation. He's saying deal with your brothers and handle the issues before you get to the judge. And what I saw with that is Jesus is always not talking about what we're doing horizontally, but he's always talking about what we do, what vertically. And he says that if you have, uh, you come to worship and you have a gift to lay at the altar, you hear the worship, he says, and you know, your brother has a problem with you. Not that you have a problem with your brother, but you know, he has a problem with you. It didn't even, my name have anything to do. He says, stop, don't worship, get up, leave that gift at the altar and go get it. What? Right. Then he says, how can you say you love me that you've never seen and you mistreat or hate or treat poorly your brother who you see every day. He says you lie and do not the truth. So does that let us know that how we treat people in our relationships has a lot to say about our walk with Christ and how Christ is looking at us? So this is what I said. I took Matthew 5, 25 through 26, and this is what came to my mind. Get things right with others before you stand before the judge. That's what Jesus said. But what we don't realize is the judge is God. One day we got to stand before God and give an account of how we treated people. Not just the ones we needed, but the ones we didn't. Amen. The person at the grocery store that you saw had tears in their eyes. And the Holy Spirit pricked your heart just to say, God bless you today. I'll be praying for you today. And you ignored that person and said, it's not my business. I got my own problem. Or that waitress you saw in there. And you saw her struggling, working her fingers to the bone, who has two or three kids. And she's working as hard as she can. And you come in there and you're the most demanding person in the restaurant. They can't ever get your food right. They can't ever get your order right. And, and, and you, all you do is complain, and then you turn and walk away and leave $2 on the table. Shame on you. It's how you treat people. Jesus is watching it. Lord, when did I do that to you? He says, when you've done it to the least of mine, you've done it also to me. And how you treat people matters to God. How you mistreat people matters to God. So when you have conflicts, we don't run away from conflict. We deal with conflict because there can be healthy conflict, but conflict resolution matters. And I have to applaud Abram because Abram is the oldest. Therefore, because this conflict is going on, Abram has the right. Abram says, well, uh, he could say, I'm in charge. I'm the oldest. So it's not it's not big enough for the both of us. You pick up your stuff and you go your way and I'll take the advantage because I deserve the advantage. And he did because by culture, right? He did. 
But is that what Christians always do? No. Let's read what Abram did. We've been, I've been hard on Abram, but let's lead, read what he said. So Abram, verse 8, so Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen or mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. He didn't try to get the advantage for himself, even though he the right was his. He said, whichever place you take, I'll take the other. Although he doesn't do everything right, you see a deepness in his character right there to say, I'm willing to lose so that a relationship can be restored, a right relationship. Now, some relationships might need to be severed, but what you got to take value in relationships. How many relationships have we lost because we've been too selfish to lose? Jesus didn't lose, but he made himself obedient to death on the cross. And he didn't deserve to die. That's why it said, let this mind be in you, which was also Christ Jesus. We always telling people that I want the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also Christ Jesus. Well, read what comes behind it. It says that he being God thought it not equal to be robbery to be equal with God. He was God, but he made himself low of no report. He became obedient to death on the cross. That he got blessed even more, even though he was God. His name is above every name. Why? Because he didn't try to take the highest position. Jesus says, if any man wants to be great among you, he must become a what? Servant. God is not looking for a church full of people who are always coming to church wanting to get stuff out of it. I said it once and I'll say it again. Forever, as long as I'm here, this will be a church of the community. We are not here to come and just soak up good Bible study. And we're not just here to come soak up good stuff. We are here to serve the people that are out there that are lost and hurting. If your idea of church is to come to church, get a good sermon, and go home and socialize with the people around you, you're at the wrong spot. Because this is for churches, for people who want to be like Jesus. And Jesus is a servant. He puts everybody else's interests above his own. And I'm not talking about to let people manipulate you. I'm not talking about be foolish. But what I'm saying is, don't let you be the top of everything you do. Sometimes it's good to just walk away and take the L and not win the argument so you can save the relationship. Sometimes it's, it's good just to hold. My, my grandmother used to say that all the time. If I hold my peace, the Lord will fight my battles. But the problem is we don't hold our peace. We let everything rip because we say what we want to say and we can't get along with people. And now I have trapped you because we say, oh, we're dealing with difficult people. But if you've been in this study more than five per minutes, you probably have to be honest. The difficult person is me. It's me that can't walk away from an argument. It's me 
that has to have the advantage every time. It's me that has to win. It's me that has to have the last word. Self-accountability is something that people don't like. <laughs> but if you're ever going to be blessed like God wants you to be blessed, sometimes you got to defer and let somebody else win. Let's see what he does. And the reason he does this, he knows the character of his ne nephew. Although, and let's go through some of these questions because we haven't even got to one question yet and we only have 16 minutes. What are some ways petty arguments can be destructive? Cause risk between people. They break families apart because of pettiness. Petty Betty and Petty Ball. They live a little bit in us all. Pettiness. Nitpicking on things. Critical of everybody. I saw something today and it just made me tickle. I was reading an article. It just popped up about this famous person. And this per famous person just basically said, you know, I used to like you. <laughs> But now that I know you're, you're in touch with this organization, I've lost all respect for you. And he said something to the effect of, well, that's a shame. I don't know what made you expect that somebody that you don't even know cares that you don't respect them or craves respect from you. But how nitpicky are we yelling at the news and yelling at other stuff? Being nitpicky, even with presidents, whether you agree with this president or you don't. How many of you have to wake up at night wondering if you make the wrong decision the world may end? How many of you have to wake up at night thinking about if you make the wrong decision, somebody may starve to death? Or that even more innocent people may lose their life. It's easy to Monday morning quarterback and be critical of people. Mm -hmm. you know, constantly reading on it, praying on it, thinking about it. Uh -huh. And he said, let me tell you something. People who worry that they're doing the right thing are the people who are doing the right thing. People yeah. Who don't worry are the people that need to watch Yeah. Because they don't have a conscience. And, and, and I know that sat heavy because we've got a religion, in, a new religion in America. It's called politics. And if that made you mad, you were part of that religion. You just got to get your opinion out there. Nobody cares about your opinion. Matter of fact, somebody was watching you that might have looked at how godly you were and came to Christ. And now, because of your opinion, I'm not saying don't stand up for right things and right principles. I'm not saying not have a political opinion. But what I'm saying is sometimes you need to turn it off. Yeah, 
That's Mark Twain. Yeah. Open your mouth and remain all doubt. That's why sometimes you say, well, why aren't you more political? Why don't you make more outward political statements? Why? Because I'm here to, to give the gospel. And if I give you the principles, you got to figure that out for yourself. <laughs> I can't tell you who to vote for. I can tell you what the Bible says. And you can use the Bible to figure that out for yourself. But how many families are broken up because of elections now? Because people gotta be gotta be right. If you ain't got my candidate, I'm gonna beat you up until you find out that you're stupid and you got the wrong one. Dealing with difficult people, and now we finding out that I may be that difficult person. <laughs> well, was it worth a soul? Was it worth the relationship that you broke up? That you could have reached somebody with Christ? You had a good relationship? Everything in the gospel is about relationships. Every time you see Paul at the end of his letters, he's always writing, tell this person to pick up my coat or bring my letters or come before winter and bring my coat. It's cold. He couldn't do what he did without relationships. That's why this is so heavy of a thought. It's because if we're going to grow with the body of Christ, we've got to learn to build relationships again. We got to learn to have churches and deal with people who think differently than we do. Not on doctrinal issues, but just about some things in life that are really just inconsequential. Yeah. And you got to be learn sometimes to defer to the other person. Now, I'm going to get off of that, but I felt the heaviness for that. So I think it might have helped somebody. Or bless somebody. So Abraham says, let's part company. And it said, now look at this. Verse 10. This show you what type of person Lot is. Lot, now later, Lot is a person of righteousness in Peter. And uh, one of Peter's books. But we, we see Lot's young. And so well, what does he say? Lot looked around and what? Saw that the whole plain of Jordan, Zoar, was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like Eden. Like the land of Egypt, this was before it was destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out towards the east. Now stop. People who've been paying attention for Bible study. East. When you start moving east, you generally send the mark moving what? Farther away from who? God. He allowed what he saw to let him move his family farther away from God. He allowed the nice provision in the job with the 401k. He allowed, allowed the nicer neighborhood that, that, that was nice, but you, you knew it wasn't what God was calling you to do. Now he can't provide for his family like he needs to because he got to work all day to pay the bills. And now his kids don't have a father at home leading devotional. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this home. I'm trying to bring this home to you. He made decisions based off of what he could see. And it pushed him farther away from God. How many of our men are wounded? Because they look back at the shambles that their families have become, realizing that they thought that all they were was a provider of bread. But they provided the wrong bread. It's good to be a provider of bread so your family can eat. You're worse than infidel if that doesn't happen. But what about the bread of life? What about providing bread for food? And then 
outside of the biblical stuff, just being an all-around nice daddy, caring about your kids, spending some time. Now, there's some other situations where people are forced into those situations. They don't have a choice. They got to put food on the table, and, they might, and they're in those situations. But sometimes we put ourselves in these situations. You see the difference between the two characters? When giving Abraham a choice, he defers. When giving Lot a choice, he does something else. Where do petty arguments put the focus most times? On blame and not solution. And on what? Who wants? What we want. We arguing because you're not doing what I want you to do. And I'm going to keep arguing and yelling like I'm a child until you comply and do what I want you to do. Wow. Nobody in here like that, is it? Put your hands down. <laughs> now, Abraham uses, uh, he uses wisdom because verse five uh, right here, it says he sought the, to resolve the situation and you don't have it, but it's proactively, proactively. He sought to solve the situation proactively. He decided to do something about it. Most times in life, we become reactive. We try to stick our heads in the sand and avoid conflict until it gets to the point where nothing can be done. That comes to a point where if somebody's doing something and it's bothering you, don't just avoid it because you don't like conflict. Sometimes we let things go on that shouldn't go on because we're scared of conflict, but there's a way to healthily address those conflicts. Abraham went out. He didn't wait for Lot to come to him. He went and said, hey, our people are having arguments. It's an uncomfortable situation, but we need to deal with it. How many of us stuck in uncomfortable things in our relationships because we refuse to deal with certain things? Because we care more about the response we may get from them. And that may not even be the response we get. They may say, you know what? We came to a good solution. He proactively looked at it. So that, that should be a lesson to all of us to not just dick, stick our heads in the sand and decide that we're going to pretend that it's not there. Sometimes it's good to deal with stuff. Sometimes conflict is necessary, but it needs to be healthy conflict and healthy people dealing with the conflict. That's what makes uh, conflict bad. Let's look at the next question. It says, he did not let his ego get in the way of peace. Most times when things can't be resolved, it's because of ego. Because neither one of us wants to back down. How many, not, some of you in here, many of you have been married, are married, or, or have been married at one time. Think back how many things, as you look back, if you just honest, if you'd have just said, you know what, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and just bag down. Could you have avoided some of the worst fights of your life? But there was something in your side saying, don't treat me like that. Don't talk to me like that. Well, they just did. <laughs> So maybe you need to say, that's not a healthy way to communicate. I'm going to wait until you're in a better frame of mind. And just back down. And when they say, you calling? I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to go and be at peace. Go ahead. Nabal. 
Yeah. Waited until he was sober. Abigail, she's talking about during the time of David, there was a lady named Abigail, and she had a husband named Nabal. And Nabal was arrogant and proud and about to get everybody killed because he was going to treat David poorly. And Abigail was, uh, was, was wise enough <laughs> to, to wait till he was in a better frame of mind and go to David. And he was too hot-headed. Some of y'all too hot-headed. You know what Nabal means? Fool. <laughs> That's what Nabal literally means. <laughs> we have some Nabals all over the world. And at some point in time, we've been Nabal. And at the end of the story, David ends, Nabal dies. And guess who gets his wife? David. Because David said, that's a level-headed person who can resolve conflict and she's wise. I need her on my squad. I'm going to tell you something. If you learn how to resolve conflict in corporate America or wherever you go and learn how to make people get along and to talk to each other, you can write your ticket in any organization because that's one of the toughest things to do is to resolve conflict when people are at each other's throats. Being a pastor is, is a wonderful thing because somebody come tell on somebody else, then the other side come tell on that person, and you don't take either side. You just sit there laughing, like, like, uh, and not laughing, like laughing at them, but it's like, don't you know, just like you came to me, <laughs> this person gonna come to me to tell their side, and it's three sides always. It's your side, it's their side, and the truth. <laughs> So you have to lovingly learn how to guide what? Conflict to keep peace among the body of Christ and help people see the value in each other. You're just having a conflict. You're just having a disagreement. But I'm, I'm, I want to, somebody's watching right now that's married. You're just having a conflict. You're having a disagreement. That was the reason you married them. You love them. Don't throw it away because you can't fix a few small things. Somebody said, make the adjustment. Don't lose your job because you can't make the adjustment. He didn't use his authority as a weapon to get his way, but rather a bridge of peace. He had the authority as the, as the, the, the patriarch of the family to say, this is the way it's going to be. And I'm going to take my land. You're going to take your folks and you're going to go your way. And, and I'm going to be here and this going to work out. He used his authority to not use his authority. Sometimes just because you have the upper hand doesn't mean that you have to use it. If the person with power always wants to use power, they probably don't need power in the first place. If you are craving authority just so you can tell people or get your way, if I was in charge, this is how I run it, you do not need authority. <laughs> Authority needs to be had by people who realize the seriousness of it and the consequences and weight of actions and will not use authority as a way to get their way. But will use it as a way to serve. Let's keep going. Verse 10, Lot saw the benefits and not the burdens. What are the dangers of making life decisions based off of what we see on the surface? How could they affect other people? Somebody let me know real quick. You can, you can, you can make some bad choices. 
Some of them you can't turn around. Yeah, some of those decisions we just have to work through. Mm-hmm. You're not considering every angle, and it's very narrow-minded. Mm-hmm. You can have a catastrophe off of surface situations of titanic proportions, and I, I did that on purpose. Why? Because the Titanic was sunk, an unsinkable ship, because it hit an iceberg. You know the problem with an iceberg? Only this much is on the top of the water. This much is beneath the surface. And if you make decisions based on the this much information, you're going to always make the what? Wrong decision. So follow what Solomon says, in all of thy getting, get understanding. One of the key things to conflict resolution is to find out what the other person meant by what you said. Get a good understanding before you just run off and start acting. When your boss does something you don't like, rather than run off and just get a get an amen corner together so y'all can talk about it, get an understanding. So you don't make an unnecessarily hostile work environment. Seems reasonable, doesn't it? Last thing, we out of here. We talked about East. Rather than being thankful to Abraham, Abram for deferring his rightful choice, Lot chooses the best looking spot for himself. Lot's choices and results show us that selfishness does not pay off in the end. And we're about to see that in just a minute. Because his, his choice is going to cause him some separation in his relationships. He's going to lose his wife. And some other traumatic things will happen to his family down the line. Lot is Lot and his family are just moved closer to immorality. They move closer to the most wicked place ever mentioned. That's probably because they wrote the Bible before America existed. But there was some wickedness in the world. Wow. So today we talked about dealing with what? Difficult people. I want you to ask the Lord a question. Lord, repeat after me. Lord, how do I deal with myself? One of the best ways to deal with difficult people is to make sure that the conflict on the inside of you is already resolved. If you healthy, you might have a shot. If two unhealthy people come together and they got a conflict, you got a disaster. But if you got one healthy enough, you may be able to work the situation out. We see Lot didn't make, wasn't making the best choices, but Abraham was. And so with that, I'd like to thank you guys for coming out. I'd like to thank you for taking the time and for all of those of you who show up online uh, and come into the study. Welcome into our, our study. And I pray the goal of this study is to create biblical literacy. And not only to create biblical literacy, but also to be able to extrapolate the principles of the Bible and make them applicable to our everyday what? Life. We try to make it practical and relevant. We don't want you to just have head knowledge. We want your heart to be. Has this been challenging for anybody today? Impactful? It has. 
Makes you think. If it doesn't make you think, it's not worth it. Are there any questions, any comments before we before we go and have some? Well, that's conflict. I'll deal with that in a minute. Uh, I want to thank you. <laughs> we're going to pray and we're going to leave. Uh, I thank you guys for all the prayers you've been given and thank you for the birthday surprise outside. Um, I got my present, which is you. This, this is what I really, really enjoy. I enjoy doing this with you week after week. Uh, and, and you just don't know how much I enjoy it. Um, and as well with those that are out uh, in, a, in our virtual world, we, we welcome you and we're so glad today. Let's pray. Um, today, I want to pray for us to be God-focused, more God-focused, and less me-focused. That doesn't mean you don't think about yourself. It just simply means you think about yourself less. How about that? So let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I pray something that's been said today will be impactful, uplifting, and encouraging and spark us all to change the trajectory of our lives by taking a look first internally at ourselves and dealing with the conflicts that are within us and helping us to find healthy ways to deal with the conflicts which are without us that we place more value in relationships than being right. Lord God, that we, we grow up and become more mature in you and see the value in people and we'll try more heartily to try to restore relationships rather than destroy them. And give us wisdom to know the difference when relationships sometimes do have to be severed. Help us to do that in a healthy and a loving way um, because you're calling us to do that as well. And we'll give you the praise and the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody give a God a hand clap of praise. <laughs>